0: Psalms chapter 22, I preached from this psalm this morning and I purposely skipped verse 14 and 15 uh, because I knew that I would preach, Lord willing, at some point these two verses and I pray the Lord will help us tonight. Psalms 22 and verse number 14. The Bible says, I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Heavenly Father, I ask you to take these two verses tonight and help our hearts. Lord, we know that the word of God has power. We also know that we have no power tonight. We have no ability to do anything outside you and I pray that you'd touch us and help us and feed us and strengthen us these next few moments. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on Calvary, the place of prostration. Calvary, the place... Uh, prostration. Now the word prostrate prostrate means uh, uh, to uh, be lying stretched out on your face uh, uh, face down to be lying uh, uh, prostrate out and it means to be lying out in that position most of the time in reverence uh, or in some type of submission but it also means distress and it means uh, uh, exhaustion it can mean uh, to reduce someone to extreme physical weakness and when we come to Psalms chapter 22, that is exactly where the psalmist describes Christ when he is on the cross and especially amongst all the 21 verses that has to do with Calvary in this chapter here particularly verse number 14 and verse number 15 uh, talks about the prostration of Christ. Uh, As Christ has poured himself out, he has emptied himself out. Now I want to stop and say, he never emptied himself of his sovereignty, he never emptied himself of his uh, authority nor of his lordship. Amen. He was always God and he always has been God. He's always been king and he always will be king. And he, the Christ of Calvary, was the Lord of Calvary and the Lord of heaven and the Lord of earth even while he was on the cross. Amen. But that word prostration, uh, uh, listen, that's where we get the word prostrate. Uh, It comes from that word prostrate. And it means uh, uh, the act of assuming uh, a prostrate position, a Basement, complete physical or mental exhaustion. It means to collapse. Uh, and Jesus, in these two verses here, uh, we see him very vividly as it talks about the suffering of our Savior. It talks about the sacrifice of our Savior. But more importantly, it talks about the submission of our Savior. That by the Bible said in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 5 to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man here it is uh, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death uh, even the death of the cross Uh, and so Jesus submitted himself uh, uh, to the ridicule uh, uh, to the rejection uh, uh, to the abuse and misuse uh, that came with the cross Uh, he fully surrendered his life uh, uh, to Calvary. Amen? Now, when you think about that, our Savior in this verse as he empties himself out I want you to see in verse number 14 the declaration here as he says I am poured out like water amen Uh, he is poured out like water he's talking about here the emptying of himself you pour water out you know what's going to happen to it it's going to come out very quickly and when it hits the surface of whatever it is uh, it's going to do one of the two things Uh, it's either going to Run in every direction or it's going to be soaked up and consumed uh, by whether it be the ground or whether it be the carpet but the water is quickly here and then it is gone. Amen. And when Jesus was on the cross uh, he literally poured his life out at the cross. Uh, you want to know why the cross saves men from, the, uh, from hell? Because Jesus poured out his life uh, and the pouring out of his life, his blood uh, that was being shed at the cross uh, is what gives us life Life, amen? When we look to the cross, uh, and we put our faith in the cross, uh, and we put our faith in the one that died on the cross, uh, it gives us eternal life, hallelujah. Yeah. I looked at the young lady that got saved this morning after service, and uh, she was weeping. She said she'd been under conviction a long time. They have left and went out of town, but when she gets back from being from traveling, I told her, I said, I want you to come forward and make acknowledgement. And she was willing to do that. But as we was talking with her, my wife and, my, and her mother was there, as we was talking to her about being saved, she said, I've been under conviction for several weeks now and wanted to be saved. And she was weeping as she got saved. And I told her, I said, if you'll just pour yourself out, if you'll just tell the Lord whatever's in your heart and ask him, to save you and then put your faith uh, in what Jesus did on the cross uh, he'll save you amen and friend you can't add anything to salvation you can't take anything from salvation because salvation is not of me and salvation is not of you but it is of the Lord amen salvation is of the Lord this declaration that is made Christ poured himself out then there's the description of this uh, declaration him pouring himself out and I want you to see how that the cross affected the body of our Lord. Notice it affected his bones uh, as he said that all my bones are out of joint and it affected his heart. We're talking about physically. It affected his heart. It, he said that his heart is like wax. Uh, it affected his bowels, as he said that it melted in the midst of his bowels. Uh, it affected his strength. Uh, he said it's dried up. Uh, it affected his tongue. Uh, it cleaved to his the mouth of his jaw. And it affected his his jaws. Calvary had a physical effect on our Savior. Amen. That's why when someone tries to preach the cross and they want to minimize the suffering of our Savior, uh, listen, that, that's false preaching, amen? Uh, because when you look at these two verses alone, it tells us the agony of what Jesus went through physically, not just on the outside. You see, we could see, uh, we could see the scourging. We could see the piercing. But what he's talking about here is what's taking place on the inside of his body, Amen? I'm going to tell you what Calvary did. It affected Jesus physically from the inside out. You know what Calvary ought to do in all of our life? It ought to affect us us spiritually from the inside out. Amen. Amen. The declaration, the description, the dehydration. He talked about his strength uh, being dried up like a potsherd. Uh, now that potsherd is a, a piece of a fragment clay that's been dried up. A piece of dried up clay that's been broken. Uh, and he said, my strength uh, is like that broken piece of clay that has been dried up. Jesus literally poured himself out. It affected his body so much that his tongue clave to his jaw. Calvary, the place of prostration. This is where the crucified life begins, not just for the sinner, but for the saved. You may be here tonight and say, well, preacher, You've preached a lot on Calvary lately and and I'm saved and so what could these verses do for me? I want to say as I was reading them this afternoon, I thought to myself, uh, the the place of prostration, that's where we all need to be at in our life, isn't it? We all need to be on our face before God. I want to ask you a question tonight that I even asked myself. When's the last time you got on your face before God. You saw a preacher, that's just a position. It's a position that means something. I promise you there are some things in life that'll not just drive you to your knees. Friend, it'll drive you to your face in prayer. It's one thing to go to your knees, but to go to your face, to lay before God, is the lowest point and we've been there you've been there you could probably think of some times in your life uh, when the burdens of life got so heavy so weighted you down of uh, the trial or the valley or the storm that you was facing uh, that in your desperation you didn't just go to your knees uh, but you found you a secret place where there wasn't nobody but you and God uh, and you shut that door and you got alone. Uh, and this time uh, it wasn't a little lay me down to sleep prayer it wasn't a little prayer of formality or something to make us feel better about ourselves. But you got on your face and you cried to God. The place of prostration, of Calvary is the place that'll drive us to our face. I think about that this morning or this evening. Flat on our face, in reverence and submission to God, emptying ourselves out. I am poured out like water. Total and complete exhaustion is who Jesus was. Spiritually, God has to get us to that place where we're so exhausted spiritually. We're just in the place of total surrender revealing the weakness of the flesh. As he said, my strength is dried up. This is the physical strength of our uh, Savior. But what about the spiritual strength? God has to get us to that place. Uh, I'm talking about spiritually. He has to bring us to that place in that crucified life uh, uh, where we're so willing to empty ourselves out of the flesh and of self uh, and of the world and of all the things uh, around us uh, that we get on our face. And in that place of prostration, uh, we cry out to God uh, reverence and submission to him and just like in this text our strength is gone isn't that what the book says our strength is made perfect in weakness God is wanting to bring us to the place where we see our weakness so we can see our strength he's poured out his bones are out of joint crippled at the cross not crippled in spirit not crippled in power but his his joints are out of or out of place. I think about in the Christian life, the crucified life, God has to bring us to the breaking point, doesn't he? Not a bone, as I mentioned this morning, was broken. But you and I have to be broken like that broken vessel in verse number 15. Job used a broken vessel, a posture to clean the boils off of his body. But in that text, when Job picked up that broken piece of pottery, There was really two broken vessels in that text. The one that was in his hand and the one that was using that vessel. Job was a broken piece of vessel. I want to tell you tonight, a vessel of mercy is all that I am. If you see any good in me, it's all because of him. A broken piece of vessel. Do you realize there's more to being saved than just missing hell? There's more to Calvary than just not going to hell. The crucified life. Do you understand the terminology? When we say the crucified? Crucified I'm not talking to sinners when I say that. I'm talking to saved people. Have you ever been back to the cross? Have you ever put self on the cross? Have you ever crucified the flesh as Paul talked about? You see, he said his tongue claved to his jaw. <laughs> I thought about people who have crucified the flesh, their tongue will cleave to their jaw too, won't it? Is that right? They won't be like that crowd in verse number seven, shoot out shooting out at the lip. You shoot out the lip too much, somebody may puff it up, you know that? I mean that's just the way it is in this society. Uh, but I'll tell you, the Bible says even a fool is counted wise when he holdeth his peace. Amen. He that's of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And Listen, you and I cannot tame this tongue for James said the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So how do we overcome the tongue? How do we overcome saying things we're not supposed to say? You gotta crucify the flesh. Uh, you gotta nail it to the cross. Uh, you, can't, you can't kill the tongue, uh, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can crucify the flesh uh, and the tongue will clear to the jaw when the spiritual man has my friend been crucified or the carnal man has been crucified uh, then the spiritual man can rule and reign in our life. He's been brought to the dust. Notice verse 15. Thou, talking about God, has brought me into the dust of death. Do you see in these verses that everything that Jesus was physically on the cross, we are to be spiritually in our crucified life. The dust of death. You know what crucifixion is, it's death. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. That means that Paul has died spiritually. He said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul, how are you living if you've been crucified? He said, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But it's not Paul that's doing the living but the life that I now live in the flesh he said I'll tell you how I'm living that how that I'm crucified and dead Paul is dead but I'll tell you how Paul is living the life that I now live in the flesh uh, he said I live it by faith uh, of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I'm asking you this afternoon saved as you may be and that's wonderful but if you ever crucified the flesh Uh, have you ever sold out to God have you ever surrendered your life Uh, have you ever been back to the cross where you got saved uh, and knelt down and said Lord Lord, I thank you that I'm saved and it sure is good to be saved but I want to totally surrender just like Jesus did here. I want to totally submit my life. I, I want to do what you'd have me to do. I want to surrender my will to your will. Amen. Because here's the question about these two verses. When I read them, I, this question came to my mind. Why would Jesus allow himself to be crucified? Why would he allow himself to be poured out why would Jesus allow himself in verse 15 to be broken? His flesh, that is, to be broken like a piece of clay. Four reasons. Let me give them to you and I'll be through. Number one, they're found in the first six verses and I'm not preaching them because I preached the verses this morning. But number one, Jesus did because of the will of God. It was the will of God for Jesus to go to Calvary. And in these first six verses, we read them and preached them this morning the loneliness, the sadness, the abandonment, the forsaken. He was abandoned by God in these first six verses. Why would he do that? Because it was the will of God. I said it somewhere, I'm sure I said it here, that at Calvary, uh, listen, there was no division in the Trinity when Jesus died on the cross. Uh, The Trinity was in perfect unity when the Father forsook the Son. They both knew it had to take place, they both knew it had to happen for man to be delivered. The Son of Man would have to be forsaken. Uh, Listen, so that you and I could not be forsaken by God. And so they were in unity. Why did Jesus go to the cross? It was the will of God. What held Jesus to the cross? Well, I think it's good to say that love held him to the cross, but something stronger than his love for man was his love for his Father. And to do the will of his Father, it was the will of God that kept Jesus on the cross of Calvary. They came by and they wagged their heads and they said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself. Because he was the Christ, he didn't save himself. Had Jesus saved himself, he could not have saved us. So he stayed on the cross. I do believe he stayed there because he loved us. I do believe he stayed there because he wanted to die for us. But more importantly, he stayed on the cross because it was the will of God. And here's what this Calvary proves about the will of God the will of God is not always easy. Amen. I am telling you, we might as well quit whining about hard things in life. I don't like hard things in life. I, I want an easy road like everybody else. I, can, but I think you'll amen this tonight. This is the biggest bunch of spiritual babies in this generation there ever has been. Uh, they their told spiritually, and they want to write a song about going through a storm. Amen? Uh, listen, they, they have a little bit of a hard day or a hard week, uh, they want to come in and talk about going through a valley. Do you realize how foolish uh, that would sound? to generations that have gone by I'm talking about men and women who was burned at the stake for their faith uh, men and women who was put in prison uh, for their faith uh, and they would not take a license they would not deny they would not quit preaching but they just stayed faithful to the very end and they hear us complain about the little things in life and we call that persecution I'm talking about the will of God's not always easy but it's always right and it's always rewarding Amen Amen was a man by the name of Robert Annan. He was a Scottish preacher. When Robert Annan got saved, I won't go into all of his life, it's a, it's a great, great life story to read. But when Robert Annan got saved from the time he was a boy, he loved swimming, he, he was an, an, an avid swimmer. It was even said that in the middle of winter he would go out and break the ice and, and take a dip in the river. When Annan got saved, he was a wild person, lived a rough life. He was a, he was a, uh, uh, he, he was a masonry by trade, and so he worked in the daytime. He started in the afternoon passing out tracks in the little, little town, the little village that he lived in. The only problem was nobody wanted his tracks. Everybody that he passed tracks out to threw them down and turned him away. He was even beaten on two or three occasions for passing out tracks. He later moved to another location, I think it was Dundee. He moved there and uh, he started preaching. Never preached in a church, he preached open air meetings. He would go from place to place and preach. And his favorite place to preach was on this this place called the, the Tay River. He would stand there and he would preach. He preached there because it was a place where several people had drowned and Annan and thought, well, if I can preach there while I'm preaching to rescue someone's soul spiritually, I may see someone drowning physically and if I see them go in, I have the ability to help them and I'll dive in and maybe it'll give me a chance to witness to that person. He saved 11 people from drowning during the time that he preached there. He preached and a man by the name of George Mathis led him to the Lord. He died at 44 years of age. Annan also died at 44 years of age and he died saving his last, his last person that was drowning. He was a young boy that was going down and Annan was preaching. And he saw him go down. He dove into the river He grabbed the young boy and the current was so strong that he was holding the young boy up but the current was taking him away. And a boat, uh, some men that was on a boat reached out and Annan just threw the young boy. They grabbed the boy and saved him but Annan drowned. Nobody liked Annan in the village when he preached. But four days later when they found his body and brought it into town, they said, the whole town wept. Sinners and saints because of a man that gave his life for God. It wasn't an easy life, but it was the will of God. Hannon did not preach in the great tabernacle that Spurgeon preached in. He didn't write the books that Spurgeon, over 66 volumes of books that that Spurgeon had written. Anna never wrote the great books. He he never had the popularity that Spurgeon had throughout England and London and Scotland. But Anna served God in the capacity that God wanted him to serve him. I'm just simply saying the will of God may not always be easy, but it's the best place you'll ever find yourself in this earth. And Jesus on the cross, bearing the burden and bearing the load with all of his strength poured out. You know how he died? Uh, He died in the will of God. Hallelujah. I tell you how I want to die. I want to die in the will of God. I want to die in the will of God. I called a dear friend this afternoon that oh the devil had really had really threw him for a curve. And I called him and I said to him I said I heard about what had happened. And I said, right, you don't have to tell me anything. I'm not calling to find out any details. I'm not fi- calling to, to gossip and I'm not going to tell anybody. I said, but you're my friend. And I said, I just want you to know if you need somebody to talk to. I said, and please don't quit. I said, what had happened May be bad, but don't quit. You're not, you're not damaged goods forever. Amen. I don't want him to do something. I don't want him to do something crazy. When I hung that phone up, I thought to myself, "Oh God, help me! I want to die in the will of God. I'd rather die. It's a compromise tonight." Amen. I'd rather die than to get out there and sin. I, I'm no match for sin tonight. Or Satan. But God knows my heart. I'd rather die than to have to stand before this church tonight or any other time and have to acknowledge something to you. Shameful that would bring a reproach. I mean that tonight. I tell you, we ought to all do inventory You better be careful in this life. You better have a lot of checks and balances. I'm talking to this preacher. You better love accountability. You better keep it in your life. You better keep your wife close. You better keep your children close. Uh, I tell you, I don't mind being accountable to deacons. I don't mind being accountable to church members. Uh, Listen, as the pastor of this church, uh, I tell you, authority uh, means a lot of responsibility is what it means. Uh, I tell you, you'll set yourself up for a fall in a hurry if you ever put confidence in this ungodly flesh. Because that's all it is tonight, friend. It's just ungodly flesh. I want to say the will of God. I want to move on very quickly and I'll be done. Why did Jesus allow himself to be poured out? Why did he allow? I'm talking about Calvary being the place of prostration, the service of man. You know why Jesus did this? For these men in verse 7 that are laughing at him. Jesus went to the cross for the will of God and for the service of man. He died so we could live. He gave his life so that we wouldn't have to give ours. He, my friend, went to the cross so that I would never have to go to the cross. He went to the cross so that I wore the crown so I'd never have to wear the crown. He went to the cross and he wore the crown so that I'd never have to go to hell, amen? I'm telling you it was good to tell that young lady this afternoon, listen, I said, where are you gonna go when you die? If you died right now and with tears running down her face, she said, I'd go to hell. I said, there's good news. You don't have to go to hell, amen? I'm glad nobody has to go to hell. Amen. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. Oh, the good news from Calvary is nobody has to go to hell. Hallelujah. You can be saved. Amen. You can be saved from hell. He took our sin so we wouldn't have to die in our sin. I'm talking about why did Jesus allow himself to be poured out the will of God, the service of men, the defeat of Satan, that old lion in verse 21, he defeats him. He said, save me from the lion's mouth. Do you know where he was at when God saved you? I'll tell you where he was at. He was in the lion's mouth. I don't care if he saved you off a church pew or a bar stool. He was in the mouth of old Lucifer. That lion had you. I listen he was ready to send your soul to hell you had a ticket Already punched uh, and by nature you was a child of wrath, and so was I. And, and we were headed for hell, and we have no hope uh, without God in this world, uh, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, the Bible said, just a bunch of Gentile dogs. Uh, uh, listen, nobody's headed nowhere this is who we were, a bunch of lost ball in high weeds uh, on the highway to hell. That's where you were when God found you uh, in the dung hills of sin, uh, uh, stooped down in the sepulchs of uh, uh, this. wicked world and the devil had you by the mouth and if God wouldn't have came by we'd all went to hell oh but I bless the day amen the gospel came by my way Calvary was preached to our soul and you know where he took us he took us out of the mouth of the lion just as he was about to take us down Jesus rescued our soul hallelujah isn't it good to be saved I'm not much but thank God I'm saved I don't look like much, but I'll tell you, I'm saved, hallelujah. I don't feel like much a lot of days, but I'm saved, amen. I've got more mistakes than I ever care anybody to know, but I'm saved, amen. And one day this old mess, thank God, it's gonna all be fixed. Thank God it's all gonna be taken care of. Saved from hell, saved from sin, saved from self, saved from a life of destruction, saved from death, saved, saved, saved hallelujah it's good to be saved, isn't it I'm going to tell you if you're really saved, you know what it means you don't want to bow your head when somebody asks you if you're saved you know a man said to me this week he said, uh, he said how, do you, how can a person know if they're saved I said to him I said sir I'm tell you what the Bible says. And I gave him Acts 16. I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He said, how will you know that? I said, oh, you'll know it. I said, if you'll trust, you'll know it. Is that right? brother? I'm telling you, nobody has to try to convince you you're saved when you're saved. I mean, the devil may try to trip you up and he may try to cast doubt. He's done that to a lot of people. But if you're saved, it'll come through eventually. Amen. You'll get through that moment of doubt. There'll be some victory that'll come. Amen. He died. Why? Because of the defeat of Satan, the service of man, the will of God. Then I close with this. Why did Jesus allow himself to be poured out like this? For the glory of God. You can read the rest of the verses 22 through 31. It's all about Jesus being king. It's all about him, the king of glory. See, Jesus suffered it all at Calvary for the will of God, the service of man, the defeat of Satan, but then for the glory of God. Calvary looked like a defeat, didn't it? It looked like a total disaster. Jesus preached that he was a king and that a kingdom was coming. He preached that he would bring peace. He preached all these things and then here he is. He's on the cross and he's dying like a criminal. But three days later, God's glory came shining through. Jesus died (coughs) for the glory of God. Amen. Got to change brands, don't I? I got a summer cold or something. I don't know what's going on. But Jesus, he died and his death brought the glory of God in. You know, if you think about this, had there not been a death, there would not been a resurrection. There would have never been an Easter had there not been a Golgotha. And these four things tonight are true not just about our Savior on the cross, but they're true about the crucified life. You know what the will of God is tonight after you're saved? To surrender. That's the crucified life. the surrender to the will of God. That's the will of God. Why would you do that? Because it's God's will. Why would I surrender my life? Why would I allow my life to be poured out like Christ and to live a crucified life? It's the will of God, but for the service of men. You want God to use your life. I'm going to tell you what Christian living is about. It's all about giving to God and serving God, but serving men. Isn't that right? Hey, we got a lot of people today. Listen, they want a trophy. They want a title. They want recognition. They want popularity. They want some some, uh, some, uh, uh, platform uh, uh, for everybody to see. They want to shine. But that's not what Christian living is about. Being a Christian and serving God is about serving God and serving men. Had a man say to me one time, he said, now I'm not called to preach nursing homes and jails and and missions. I said, if you don't preach there, you don't preach here. Amen. What he was saying is I'm too good to go there. If he's too good to go there, he's not going to go anywhere. It's about serving men. Why do I want to live the crucified life? Because it defeats Satan. Tonight there's people in this building. You're up and down, in and out. On and off on your Christian life. One day you're in a good mood, the next day you're in a bad mood. One day you come to church, you're fired up, you want to do something for God, the next time you want Him to go to the choir. You sit there. You blame it on your weak, you blame it on your problems, you blame it on your family, you blame it on your job. I know I'm preaching to somebody. The crucified life, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to live defeated. You can live in victory if you want to you got to get out of the wilderness. you got to cross Jordan. you got to go to Gilgal. Not a lot of preaching on the spirit-filled life anymore, but that means something. Amen. They went down to Gilgal. You know what happened? They had the reproach of Egypt was rolled away. They're at Gilgal. Listen, they, they surrendered. Uh, listen, they crossed that Jordan, set up a memorial, went to Gilgal, got the reproach rolled away, and they lived in Canaan, and they had victory. Why? Because God promised them victory, and God has promised us victory. you got to get out of the wilderness. That's a backslip life. You can live in church all your life and be backslid, always up and down, in and out. You know why? It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you don't love God. I believe you do love God or you wouldn't be here. It's because you've never surrendered. You've not crucified that flesh. You've never got on the altar and said, God, it's not this and it's not that. Lord, it's me. I give you me. I surrender my will to your will. I crucify the flesh. I want to say that why would I want to do that, preacher? To, do, to defeat Satan in your life. And for the glory of God. You want to live a life that glorifies God? tell you how to do it. It's not going to be a one trip to this altar. You get up every morning and you tell God how sorry you are and tell Him how great He is. Just do that every day. Tell God how great he is and how sorry you are. And then tell him how much you need his help. And then tell him, Lord, today, by your grace, I want to do my best to please you. I don't want to please me. I don't want to try to please everybody around me. I just want to please you today. And you do it one day at a time. And when you mess up, you say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's 8.30 and I've done messed up. Lord, would you help me? Lord, I said I wasn't going to say that. I need my tongue to cleave to my jaw. Lord, help me with that. Help me with this. Help me with that. And you live every day like that. And you just live as a dead man. And the more you can die, the more you'll live.